Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schindel. Today, we scrimshaw our way into 1998's Deep Rising. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, push that walking Muppet known as James Cameron aside, jump in the (laughs) sub, and let's fight it out with this Moby Dick of a fuck-up. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. When a band of ruthless hijackers invade the world's most luxurious cruise ship, they're shocked to discover the passengers have mysteriously vanished. But that doesn't mean that they are alone. Something terrifying is lurking just out of sight. A deadly force from the unexplored depths of the ocean that begins to snatch the horrified intruders one by one. It's like a kind of a cheesy logline this week. Like I was kind of (laughs) surprised by it. It's like, cause you know, I mean, the other log lines that I found online was just like, you know, a group of like sea pirates get, you know, attacked by tentacle creatures on an abandoned cruise ship or something like that. This one's like trying to be the back of a VHS. This actually, you should probably try to seek out and watch this on VHS. <laughs> that would be the appropriate medium, I think, for this movie. Yeah, this, this, and Under Siege too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This movie is a Hollywood Pictures release through Synergy Productions and Calamari Productions. Clever name, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 This is our first movie by the defunct studio known as Hollywood Pictures. They started in 1986 with a TV special on Queen performing in Wembley and went on to release their first movie in 1990 with the classically bad film that I will continue to shit on all I fucking want to with 1990s arachnophobia, Paul. Oh, man. Come on, man. That's <laughs> classic. You know, I, I keep pumping that movie to be a piece of shit. Maybe we should concentrate <laughs> on that one at some point because I really don't like that movie. It's got, it's got John Goodman as the exterminator. No, I know, man. It's the just... screaming tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> know, you, like, you like the screaming tarantula for some reason. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> But these people also did the horrible Encino Man, which is one of my worst hated movies, to be honest with you. The embarrassing Sean Connery ponytail movie called Medicine Man. I don't know if you ever saw that, Paul. No. Uh, Yeah, it was weird. But they also (laughs) did An American Werewolf in Paris, which I fucking hate that movie as well. Polly Shore movie known as In the Army Now. God damn you, Polly, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> the movie that proved that Francis Ford Coppola had only four movies in him, that movie that they called Jack with Robin Williams. No. Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> the movie called The Rock, a.k.a. the movie that announced Michael Bay was going to continue to assault us with stupidity. Resident Evil, because we all know that we need video game movies, right? As well as the absolute abomination that is Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't, uh, what's his name? Guy from uh, Easy Rider. Doesn't he play King Cooper? Dennis Hopper. Yep. Dennis Hopper. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bad movie. Oh, yeah. That's classically bad. They also gave us a couple of excellent movies in Shyamalan's directorial debut called The Sixth Sense, 
Taylor Hackford's widely misunderstood crime epic Blood In, Blood Out, and the Kurt Russell Western known as Tombstone, which is one of my personal favorite guilty pleasures. They also gave us Robert Redford's incredible movie quiz show, Wayne Wang's brilliant film The Joy Luck Club, the hilarious and underwatched Gross Point Blank with John Cusack, Tony Scott's Crimson Tide, Oliver Stone's brilliant performed Nixon, which, side note, cocksucker! <laughs> If you if you haven't seen that movie, fucking Anthony Hopkins plays Nixon and he uses the word cocksucker like what, like a hundred times in that know. movie? It's, like it's more than I've ever heard it used <laughs> in a piece of art. So constantly using that word. And one of my personal favorite Hughes Brothers movies called Dead Presidents, which I still to this day really, really love that movie. Yeah, I know it's not crazy. like a great movie, but you know, it's it's not like Menace to Society or are there any of their other good ones, but I dig that movie, man. Synergy Pictures would be responsible for some of the same films, along with Die Hard with a Vengeance, which, if I'm being honest, is probably my favorite Die Hard movie. I don't give a fuck what people say, dude. <laughs> like, Die Hard with a Vengeance just has the energy and the comedy, and it just yeah. fires on all sides. I mean, man. Sam Jackson, yeah, elevates that movie. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. And the action, the action in that movie is fucking on point and just yeah. over the top. The <laughs> fucking scene where he's driving through the middle of Central Park and he's just like driving around the trees and almost hitting like runners and shit <laughs> like that. He's just like, are you trying to hit these people, McLean? <laughs> no. And Jeremy Irons, man. That's oh, Jeremy Irons my, is great. Yeah. My favorite role of his, honestly. Do you do you like him? <laughs> do you like him in that movie more than you like Alan Rickman in the original would you say that he's a bit of bad guy? They're uh, equally good. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, I have I have a slight problem with Jeremy Irons' like super thick accent in that movie, but you know, I mean, it's still entertaining. So, yeah. But you know, they also did the Stallone flick called Judge Dredd. Which, side note, thank God that Alex Garland at all remade this movie the way that it was meant to be oh, in 2012 yeah. because Judge Dredd is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> As well as the bizarre adaptation of the novel, The Scarlet Letter with Gary Oldman and Demi Moore. Did you ever see that? No. I remember that I had to read that book in middle school right. and all of my classmates united against it and didn't <laughs> read it. And the teacher could not fail all of us. So we <laughs> discovered the leverage of solidarity and that stuck through us uh, throughout right. our middle school and high school careers. Side note, unionize people. <laughs> unionize. <laughs> uh, okay so paul i'll give you one guess what movie calamari productions made deep blue sea <laughs> no only this movie because it's got a giant fucking squid in it that's the only goddamn movie that they ever made <laughs> okay but there are there are only five producers this week to blame for this pile of putrid filth. John Baldecci has produced 19 movies in his career. But what I really want to focus on here is his blatantly horrible taste in movies. He started his career with producing director Stephen Summers' second film, The Adventures of Huck Finn, with the young Elijah Wood and the fantastic actor Courtney B. Vance. But it's a fucking horrible adaptation of the book. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. His career suicide began in 1995 with Cutthroat Island, a movie that needs no introduction, 
but could benefit from a fucking explanation. What the fuck were you thinking? You know, I one thing that I read about that movie this week was, uh, I didn't know this, is that both Gina Davis and Rennie Harlan were, like, begging the studio to let them drop out of making the movie because they knew it was going to tank. <laughs> and they were, like, held to it with their contract. Uh, and I was like, ah, fuck, man. I would have so just much, demanded my yeah. name to be taken off of it, you know? CG my face out of it. <laughs> You know, as a kid, I actually liked that movie a lot. Really? Yeah. I mean, it had all See, kinds of swords and I saw and stuff. I saw that and Hook with Robin Williams at the same time, and I actually uh, like Hook more. So, like, yeah. Cutthroat Island just kind of fell by the wayside for me for a long time. Uh, Hook is definitely more memorable. I mean, right. there's a lot of classic Robin Williams shenanigans in that one, for right. sure. <laughs> Uh, not not to be confused, though. I don't believe that Hook is a good movie. I just want to put that out there. But it is fucking entertaining. And I'll Didn't that. Spielberg, like, disown that movie? He said sort he hated of, it. <laughs> sort of. He does, I mean, I know that he hates that movie, but he never, like, disowned it as far as I know. But, you know, I, I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I've read anything about Hook, to be honest with you. This guy also went on to the hackneyed heartstring-pulling sob fest known as Simon Birch. The Mexican with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. Stark raving mad with Sean William Scott, which, side note, what the fuck happened to Sean William Scott, dude? I haven't seen him in, like, ten years, probably. I don't know what the hell he's doing, to be honest with you. This producer also produced the Kurt Wimmer disaster that effectively killed his career known as Ultraviolet. Al Pacino's worst movie known as 88 Minutes. The remake of Conan the Barbarian with Jason Momoa. Odd Thomas with Anton Yelchin, shout out New Mexico Film, the detestable remake of Point Break, and most recently with Happy Death Day 1 and 2. So, yeah, not a good movie amongst <laughs> all of his movies. But Barry Bernardi is responsible for mostly keeping Adam Sandler, David Spade, and Rob Schneider afloat. God While he damn him. <laughs> yeah. Just a fucking enabler, man. God damn <laughs> <laughs> While he did produce Escape from New York and The Devil's Advocate, he also gave us the following list. I'm just going to rattle through these, Paul. You, you got to hear this list. Poltergeist 3, Halloween 3, Inspector Gadget, the Broderick live action one, Deuce Bigelow, The Animal, again with Rob <laughs> Schneider, The Master of Disguise, Anger Management, The Haunted Mansion, The Longest Yard, The Benchwarmers with David Spade, Click, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You don't mess with the Zohan, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, Grown Ups, Just Go With It, Jack and Jill, That's My Boy, Grown Ups 2, Blended Pixels, The Ridiculous Six, Begrudging Shout Out to New Mexico Film, The Do Over, <laughs> Sandy Wexler, The Week of Father of the Year, Murder Mystery, The Wrong Missy, and the upcoming Hubie Halloween. 47 movies this guy has produced, and 25 oh, of them. 25 of them, Paul, have Sandler, Spade, Kevin James, or Rob Schneider, mm. or any combination of those guys. He must be laughing on top of his giant pile of money. Pile of right money. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Halloween 3? Yeah, it's so, I saw Halloween oh, yeah. 3. It's like the perfect bad movie night movie, I think. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got what, so what much about, great stuff. What about in Hollywood it. H2O, dude? Hollywood H2O is one of my favorites because Busta Rhymes is fucking in that movie and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah God that, damn. There's a whole, whole litany of uh, bad Halloween movies. Did you see the 2018 version? The no. one that they came out? It sucks, dude. It's not great, but it has like these moments of ultraviolence that I totally dig. 
but you know, Wait, overall, does that have Jamie Lee Curtis or am I thinking? Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis okay. returns. Yeah. 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 But little tip, little tip for all these guys: you suck so bad, you only get hired by one fucking producer. Time to retire, dick bags. Like, just move <laughs> on, do something else. Write a tell-all fucking book about how fucked up the film industry was in the <laughs> '90s or something. You know, Lawrence Mark is the last producer I want to talk about because this guy was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture with Jerry Maguire in 1997. He also did As Good As It Gets and the excellent Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie called The Lookout. He also did Working Girl, Cookie, Sister Act 2, Cutthroat Island, Bicentennial Man, Center Stage, Glitter with Mariah Carey, which is the 21st worst movie of all time, according to IMDb, iRobot, Last Holiday with Queen Latifah, and the Flatliners PG-13 remake recently. This movie stars Treat Williams, Famke Jensen, Anthony Hailed, Kevin J. O'Connor, Wes Studi, Jason Fleming, Cliff Curtis, two for two. Sorry about that, Cliff. <laughs> I didn't mean for this to happen. Clifton Powell, Una Damon, and Dehaman Hanu. Treat, who most certainly does not personify his name, is most well-known for his role in the TV show Everwood. He has been in 59 movies, apparently, including Steven Spielberg's awful 1941 Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back as a Echo-based trooper. The fantastic Sidley Lumet epic known as Prince of the City, which is absolutely required viewing. I can't stress this enough. It's a classic. Sergio Leone's classic gangster masterpiece, Once Upon a Time in America, is Jimmy O'Donnell. The Devil's Own with Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford. Miss Congeniality 2, which... Puke, by the way, 127 hours as Aaron's dad. This is like the most recent movie that I would have rewatched with him is 127 hours, and I don't remember him in that. But he was also in Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader and a movie I actually worked on called Drunk Parents, which is horrid. So get this, Paul. I've seen quite a few of these movies, right? I even worked with this man on a movie, and I don't remember him in any of them. <laughs> <laughs> like how is that possible especially working with the guy i had to fucking look at him for weeks at a time and i somehow don't remember ever working with this guy he's fucking forgettable but fam k jensen is an absolute gen i love this woman to death but she's been in some really strange choices <laughs> over her career she's mm. probably most well known for her role as Jean gray in the x-men movies she was a bond girl in goldeneye was in the excellent movie rounders and was in taken but she was also in Taken 2 and 3, the awful Robert De Niro movie called Hide and Seek, the awful Nick Cage movie called Primal, and the horrifyingly bad Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter, which is a really <laughs> fucking bad movie. Like, so memorable from uh, GoldenEye. Like, yeah. I think she's the only Bond girl that I actually remember. For me, it's her, Ava Green, and Halle uh, Berry. Those are the three that I remember. Ava Green, dude, like, she is stunning in Casino Royale. Like, absolutely yeah. insanely beautiful. And, like, I had just seen that movie The Dreamers a few years before where she yep, was, like, yep. getting her box eaten out. And then, like, <laughs> That movie is weird, by the way. Just, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a little crude. Maybe I shouldn't have called uh, that a box. But besides the fact, Anthony Hailed is Dr. Chilton in Science of the Lambs. And I will only refer to him as such throughout this episode. <laughs> I'll keep calling him Dr. Chilton. Oh, he's also in the terrible movie 8mm with Nick Cage, A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey, Bullock and Sam motherfucking Jackson, 
And he took a 14-year break from features between 2006's Accepted and this year's sort of remake of Duel called Alone. And apparently he is in 89 episodes of Boston Public, which I have no interest in ever seeing because I don't give a shit about fucking courtroom dramas. Why do they uh-huh. keep making them? I don't. I thought understand. it was about a school. You know, oh, like, maybe it is. I I don't know. That's that's how fucking off the fucking radar this, this could is. Be either one. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like some middling CBS show. I think I I, I don't watch network TV to be clear. <laughs> Kevin J. O'Connor is the annoying piece of shit mechanic in this movie, and he's the annoying piece of shit in this director's future movies, The Mummy and Van Helsing. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, Paul. He's been in one of my all-time favorite movies, There Will Be Blood. Shout out New Mexico Film, where he plays <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis' right. fake brother, who he shoots in the head. Thank <laughs> God for that moment, by the way. That was, uh, that was pretty satisfying, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, dude, that fucking bothered me so much when I saw that movie. <laughs> like him kind of sitting there and gasping for air as he just like disappears. fucked up man he's also in pt anderson's incredible movie the master with joaquin phoenix as well as steve mcqueen's incredible heist movie widows so he has a better filmography than i had originally remembered i wanted to just shit on this guy nonstop, and then i looked him up and i was like all right fuck i can't really (laughs) shit on him that hard what's there to say about the absolute legend that is west studi bro everyone should know him number one (laughs) Number two, his filmography is fantastic. Last of the Mohicans, which I will always remember him as Magua, Dances with Wolves, The Doors, my all-time favorite crime movie called Heat, Terrence Malick's Gorgeous, The New World, Dances with Wolves 2, a.k.a. Avatar, the (laughs) incredible Scott Cooper movie known as Hostiles. Shout out to New Mexico Film again. If you haven't seen this movie, dude, it's like dark and twisted and fucked up and just like yeah. so goddamn depressing. It's on Netflix now, but it's it's fucking amazing, uh, dude. It sounds, really is. Sounds like something I really need in my life right oh, now. Oh, dude, it's really, really beautiful, actually. That's the biggest yeah. thing is it takes full advantage of how beautiful New Mexico is. It is a yeah. gorgeously shot film. As well as his fantastic work in the miniseries Into the West. Shout out New Mexico Film again. Wes will always have my respect and admiration. And as a fellow Native American heritage man... I will not denigrate this man by talking about his bad movies. Don't like it? <laughs> Fuck you. It's my uh, and Paul's podcast. I'm not talking about his bad movies. Wait, just just bring up one. Come on, tell me. This Which, movie, else? Deep Rising. This movie, <laughs> <laughs> this movie I mean, Avatar. He, he, Avatar, he there's two. Let's just, let's oh, just no, say absolutely. it works a lot. Absolutely, <laughs> he works a lot. Yeah, so Jason Fleming is a great actor who gets stuck in bad shit like this. But some of my favorites are Rob Roy, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, The Red Violin, Bruiser with Michael Caine. That was the first time I saw a real like hard R-rated movie with Michael Caine, and he says <laughs> "fuck" a lot in that movie. <laughs> he was in Snatch, Mean Machine, Layer Cake, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Seriously, I cannot stress how much I love that movie. That movie has such a great soundtrack. Too. Oh yeah, dude, um, it's fucking incredible, um, man. The way he uses uh, all the music to tie everything together, it's it's great. I love the way that he uses the cure at the beginning and the way that he uses uh, 
Ordinary World by Duran Duran and he's beating the shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that song is forever, forever tainted by that scene, but yeah. that's great. It's so good, dude. And like, if you don't know about this movie, this is the reason why Daniel Craig got Bond. If he hadn't have yeah. done Layer Cake, he would never have gotten Bond. But he's also in the incredibly depressing movie called Plutonium 239 for HBO Films. Stardust, which is a fucking absolute joy of a movie. <laughs> the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Kick-Ass, which is by far one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and The Social Network, where he has a one-fucking-line cameo <laughs> in the boat racing scene. Again, the, the good outweighs the bad with him, so I'm not going to sully his name here. Flat out. Cliff Curtis, we all know how much I love him, so go back and recap with the previous episodes, 10,000 BC, to review. Clifton Powell is one of the hardest working actors in Hollywood, and he's been in 128 movies and 89 TV roles to match. He slays it every time and is completely wasted in this movie. He's in Menace to Society and Dead Presidents, Ray, the fantastic TV show Black Lightning, an episode of Black Jesus, which is one of my favorite things on television, <laughs> the animated TV show Black Dynamite, which is solid fucking gold. I can't I speak highly <laughs> enough about that. And the absolute comedy classic called The Boondocks, which is probably one of my top 10 animated shows of all time, flat out. Lastly, Dejamon Hanu is a two-time Academy Award nominee, and he is incredible. You all know him from Gladiator and Blood Diamond, but he's also incredible in Amistad, In America, which is by far one of his favorite roles. And yes, even Stargate. I love him in that movie. So, <laughs> I love this man's talent so much. I won't even mention the Marvel shit that he's been in, but good on you, man. Killing it all fucking day, man. Seriously. <laughs> this movie was written by director Steven Summers. He, like Roland Emmerich, Michael Bay, and Rennie Harlan before him, and J.J. Abrams, because fuck you, J.J., <laughs> is a hack director. He makes bad movies that sell because they are flashy and overall American audiences have the attention span of a fucking goldfish. He's made 10 movies and they all suck. From the live action remake of The Jungle Book in 1994 with Jason Scott Lee, who is not related to Bruce Lee, so stop fucking asking that. <laughs> the Mummy 1 and 2 with Brendan Fraser. Mm. The nonstop CGI masturbatorial exercise known as Van Helsing. G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra. And mm. Odd Thomas. Mm. Shout out New Mexico Film again. His movies are just god-awful and painful to watch. I think my favorite review of Stephen Summers, a Stephen Summers movie was from a review I cannot remember the author. I dug really hard to find this, but it stuck out in my memory so hard I just wish I could remember who wrote it. But the review described Stephen Summers' overuse of CGI was akin to a 13-year-old boy who just discovered masturbation and can't <laughs> help but compulsively do it without need to. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Side note, Paul, Stephen Summers is cooking up a remake of When Worlds Collide. So it looks like he and Roland Emmerich will have to duke it out for whose big budget earth exploding travesty ends up <laughs> released first, a la Volcano versus Dante's Peak. Yeah. Paramount versus Lionsgate on this one. So, I mean, mm. Lionsgate is coming to their own, as you know. So, like, it's not like a boutique studio anymore. So let's see them what duke are, it what out. What are they working on? Lionsgate has When Worlds Collide and Paramount has uh, Roland Emmerich fucking movie called Moonfall or whatever that I brought up the other day when we mm. were talking talking about 10,000 okay. BC where the fucking moon explodes and they have to like go up to the moon in order to like oh, oh, nice, nice. 
<laughs> I mean, when worlds collide is like different. It's not the moon that explodes, but you know, same idea. Same Planet's idea. gonna right. get destroyed. You know, yep. we gotta go save Sweet. it. I'm really excited for this because this is like totally a '90s like disaster movie, <laughs> duology, duke it out yeah. of the box office type thing happening. Yeah. Here. But this movie, this movie opened on January 30th, 1998, in 1,758 theaters. January movies are never a solid bet. The studios always start out the new year with the pieces of shit that they can't fit into their summer <laughs> schedule and this movie was produced for 45 million dollars which they should have upped the visual effects budget significantly because this movie looks like shit this movie opened in eighth place paul with a four million seven hundred thirty seven thousand dollar weekend above it in ascending order was the prophetic robert de niro comedy called wag the dog in its sixth week the michael keaton crime drama known as desperate measures in its first week as good as it gets in its sixth week the abomination that is spice world in its second week the classic oscar-winning goodwill hunting in its ninth week the alfonso Cuarón directed great expectations in the number two spot in its first week and topping the box office this week was james motherfucking cameron's <laughs> titanic in its seventh week side note uh -huh. titanic made 25 million dollars this weekend so quite the spread here between 25 and 4 million you know it's yeah. 21 million ahead the only movies below deep rising this weekend were the formulaic denzel washington movie fallen in its third week and hard fucking rain in its third oh, week man. as well Another movie featuring a jet ski uh, <laughs> chase or whatever the yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me, man. That's a bad lineup. There were a lot of bad movies around this time. And it, it's like kind of shocking, actually, because 98 became like a really, really great year for filmmaking. It was in theaters for 336 days and would go on to make $11,203,000 total only getting a domestic release paul this is the first movie that we've had that never had an international release it was only domestic and it only made 11 million dollars no one not even johnny quarter slice and oh man or hungary or any other country wanted to see this embarrassment apologies to the listeners if they were hoping to know where johnny was this week even he didn't want to see this movie, and he watched Speed Racer, for Christ's sake. <laughs> this opening makes Deep Rising the 4,865th overall domestic box office holder behind Sidley Lamont's 1990 crime film Q&A and ahead of the goddamn awful... 2004 Ben Affleck starring Surviving Christmas. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that movie, but no. I mean, we had mentioned it before how he had that like trifecta of bad movies in 2003 with Gigli, Daredevil, and Jersey Girl, I think was the other one. I don't remember the other one. But like how he didn't just put a gun in his mouth. Like 2004, <laughs> he had Surviving Christmas, which is just as fucking bad as those movies. It's like, God damn, dude. Like, how the fuck? Regardless, I'll stop picking on Ben. Uh, <laughs> side note, Justice League sucks dick, but you know, that's all. Oh thing. man, did you hear HBO is going to put out the Snyder the cut? Yeah. Cut. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you see the trailer, dude? <laughs> I did. I did. I yeah. Was, <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, Yet, it's be bad. I am curious. I haven't even seen the original, actually. What? Oh, dude, it's so okay. fucking bad, man. Yeah. It's yeah. so bad. After Batman v Superman, I'm like, uh, yeah. 
skip this. That's a good reason to skip Justice League. I mean, maybe that's something that we should talk about is doing Justice League because that's a fucking bad movie. And we haven't shit on Zack Snyder yet. That's something. Yeah, Yeah, that is something. (laughs) It is, however, the 6,624th all-time worldwide box office holder behind Kurt Russell's classic Big Trouble in Little China oh. and ahead of Spain's 2017 comedy It's For Your Own Good, which no idea what the hell that is. But <laughs> apologies again about Johnny being a lazy asshole and not getting his legless ass to some country to see this floating pile of sea puke. Deep Rising has a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It isn't even on Metacritic, Paul. First movie mm. like that on Yeah, it's not on Metacritic. I look looked up Treat Williams, I looked up Steven Summers, I looked up Deep Rising. It's not on Metacritic, which I find really fucking mm. bizarre. It also has a splatty 29% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 43% audience score. This movie ranks highest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 6.7 out of 10. Yeah. Could never have guessed. Uh, well, <laughs> fuck you. It's a fucking <laughs> and lowest amongst females aged less than eighteen with a five out of ten. So I mean, you can imagine like young under eighteen guys taking their dates to go see this movie and the very divisive and like quiet car ride back to their house. Fucking men loved it and the girls fucking hated it. So <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> but this week, I have more of a chance being an actual oceanographer that has studied deep sea exploration than understanding the 2,283 people who voted this a perfect fucking 10 on IMDb. My favorite reviews this week begin with my favorite critic, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Ebert fishes for meaning with, quote, bemusing how much money and effort go into the making of such a movie and how little thought it's months of hard work for what this movie is essentially (laughs) an alien clone with a fresh paint job original score 1.5 out of four stars steven newton of the georgia Strait casts a line with quote The rest of the movie is a predictable guns and beasts gore fest that wants to be equal parts alien, titanic, and anaconda, but winds up being all parts crap. End quote. (laughs) Original score, one out of five stars. Lastly, Maitland McDonough of Film Journal International reels in, quote, goes for two or three climaxes, blows up far too many things, and generally wears out its welcome before it's over. End quote. Original score, 0 out of 4 stars. Lastly, Deep Rising is rated R for sci-fi violence and gore. So, Paul, Mike Potter steps up to bat. The 6'1", 195-pound righty from Montebello, California, lumbers up to the plate. He's just 26 years old, but his 70s porn stash makes him look like a 40-year-old molester. (laughs) It's October 2nd, 1977, and we stand in Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Missouri, as we face off against the New York Mets. It's a sunny day, and the air doesn't feel like it is on fucking fire like most early (laughs) fall days in St. Louis. It's the bottom of the ninth, and we have two runners on first and second. Rick Baldwin has been striking dudes out mercilessly this inning, and the Mets are up by two points. Despite having played two years for the Cardinals, Mike only appears
appeared in 14 games. This would prove one too many for manager Vern Rapp. 7,365 people are in the stands on this sunny Sunday afternoon. This would be interesting, but as it's a home game for the Cardinals in Bush Stadium, and Bush Stadium holds 60,292 people, and a stadium that is only 12% full is like a sad, deflated Mylar get well balloon. Signs of a troubling time. This would be Mike's last game, and this would be his 23rd at bat appearance. Despite the odds, Paul, his 69 chances to hit this ball in his career across 14 games, this man is one of only two non pitchers in the MLB who have the most at-bats without a single fucking hit. <laughs> That's right, Paul. Mike Potter has a .000 batting average. By far the lowest that you can have. Mike whips his bat through the air. Strike. Only two swings left, and it's all over. Strike two. So it is, Paul. This is it. The man's last swing. I waggle two fingers as you wind up in you... Pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. All right, all right. It's it's 1996. We're talking about making a movie here. Now, I've heard these rumors that uh, Paramount and Fox are making this giant James Cameron spectacular called Titanic. Sure. And uh, we, I, I want to like kind of piggyback off of that with <laughs> a nautical-related monster movie. Okay, so sure. here's how it's going to work. We're going to release this at the same time as Titanic. And we're going to get all of the, the, the teenage boy audience that we can get <laughs> who just hate Titanic and just want to <laughs> see something else while their parents go and, and watch it. So we're going to get Harrison Ford. Now he's going to cost an extra $20 million because he wants <laughs> to do Air Force One. So we right. have to beat their offer. But I, I, if we get 20 extra million dollars, <laughs> I, I think we can get him. Uh, yeah, pitch this movie to me first. We'll figure it out. All right, all right, all right. So it's about some sea pirates, all right, that are going to go and scuttle this amazing, beautiful new cruise ship for the ultra-rich, right? Okay. So their mission is to blow up the ship, but there's an insider. He's going he's gonna to take out the ship, but the twist is the insider is the cruise ship owner. Can you believe that oh, shit? Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's gold. Screen gold right there. You know, I think I was thinking of uh, Anthony hailed as as the cruise ship owner because he's kind of looking in, and I think it's believable. <laughs> but anyway, so Harrison Ford and his uh, his troop of guys. We got the plucky sidekick who makes all sarcastic comments. Sure, and sure. I think that's going to be great. Then we're going to have Wes Studi as the leader of the uh, Sea Pirates. Wait, who? But come on, West Judy from Dance with Wolves, you know. Oh, oh, oh. I know he's not. I know he's oh, not white, okay, but it's okay. okay. Yeah, it's he's okay. not white. Okay, it's, it's gonna be believable. You, 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 you didn't mention a white guy, so I don't know. Yeah, who you're yeah. Talking no, about. it's a it's a multicultural, multiracial pirate group. You know. Sure. Sure. Uh, they all work together in in kind of an interesting way. But as they get on the ship to take out the ship, what we see is bodies everywhere, blood, guts, and no passengers. Nice. You know what's nice. going to happen? There's nice. going to be a fucking giant sea squid in the ship. <laughs> nice. And we're going to have like this uh, aliens kind of thing going on where you have heavily armed and trained guys against sure. a monster. Sure, sure, sure. It's yeah. going to be great. We're going to get ILM to do the special effects. The guys nice. behind, uh, you know, Star Wars and nice. and yeah. uh, 
Jurassic Park. And yeah, I, I dig it. Yeah. I think uh, as long as the budget stays above uh, $80 million, uh, they'll be able to do the effects uh, to you know, what I, I, I have them to, to be. I have to tell you here, man, I, I don't think we're going to get Harrison Ford to do a squid movie. You know, I mean, it's, <sighs> he's already a big actor. It's well, 98. You know, he, he's already done a lot of good shit. And I think that he's busy with Robert Zemeckis' movie, uh, What Lies Beneath. And I don't think mm-hmm, that he's available. Sure. Well, we could get some no-name uh, guy who can kind of make the same kind of sarcastic <laughs> comments as him maybe treat williams uh he yeah yeah he, yeah sure, he can yeah. fill those shoes yeah for maybe a million bucks maybe yeah. even we can get him that. even cheaper man yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. so we save a lot of money we could probably dump <laughs> some of the budget for the special effects and sure. yeah as long as we capitalize on what a failure titanic is going to be we all know that movie is going to be just yeah, a gigantic yeah. failure yeah and so he's people are going to be money man yeah yeah so people are going to be all fucking bent out of shape about how shitty that movie was and they're going to want to see like a good rich people getting murdered by a giant squid kind of <laughs> nautical movie at this point yeah yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's cat in the bag it's gonna be a great movie what do you yeah. think what do you I dig it. I $50 dig million. It. Dollars. 50. 50. I can do it for 50. We'll do it for 50. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and everything's going to be on time and under budget. <laughs> great. For sure. Great. Great. Fantastic. As long as it makes like 250, we'll be okay. You know, <laughs> like it needs to make about 250 for us to <laughs> Absolutely. Make it. Thank you. All right. Can't great. Go wrong. Okay. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong with this idea. <laughs> right. So, Paul, uh, you know, straight off the bat, man, you, uh, you had seen this movie previously, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what, as a what, kid. What, what is your feeling about this movie, you know, having seen it as a kid? All right. I, I had seen it when I was like 14, 15, something like that. I had seen this movie. If you kick back and relax and think of it as a B movie, it's great. <laughs> it's got the annoying sidekick. It's got, I mean, the like gore and makeup effects of like all the partially yeah, digested yeah. bodies and like yeah. entrails sprayed all over the place. That stuff is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's a movie about wondering who's going to die next and it throws a lot of curveballs at you as far as how everyone's going to die like the asian girl you think okay she's the asian girl she's going to be the last one or one of the last ones right. she might not even die but she's the first one to die which is great because it you know huh. throws your curveball and then uh yeah it's got west duty and <laughs> he's pretty good in it i enjoy him and uh <laughs> I think that my biggest problem with this movie is Treat <laughs> Williams, dude. It's just like, oh, he, yeah. he's annoying and like, I, I fucking hate the sidekick by uh, <laughs> Kevin O'Connor. Like, I fucking hate him. And he's got, you know, some, like, good, uh, he's got some good lines in there. Come on. I, there, There is one that I wrote down and I know that I'll get to it, but it's not popping up off the top of my head right now. But he has one good one liner that I dug. Right off the bat, this the giant squid vision looks like the VR version of the demon in the Evil Dead, where it's like yeah. running at things, you know. And I, I had a real problem with that first off because like we never come back to that. It's just like it, how the movie starts and it never comes back. They never yeah. show that fucking squid vision again. But also, it's really loud on the sea floor. Apparently, like it is like screaming noise <laughs> as this thing's flying across the sea floor. But of course, of course, Paul, there's a nerd engineer who says this boat is temperamental, you know, and that's the fucking mechanic, you know, because obviously yeah. we have to have that character. It's setting up for a, a nice uh, a moment where they have to kind of hit the ignition button and slap it around a bit and build some tension. <laughs> and then it works. 
obviously. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it has to build that tension first. So we're setting right. it up for that moment. In, in the words of Master Shake, <laughs> if it doesn't want to get hit anymore, it'll straighten up and fly right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, dude, also, uh, having having a lazy white guy playing solitaire as the Asian girl gets her ass drenched in the rain in a clearly dangerous sea may have been funny in 1998 but now it just comes off as that he's a dick leveraging his white privilege or something and i had a real problem with that but you know i well the- if he was helping her out then he'd be a misogynist sexist right <laughs> <laughs> well he's you know, he's for- trusting her to be able to do her job without him interfering with her i have to admit like i'm pretty goddamn annoyed for the first 20 minutes of this movie and it's yeah. not really until like the gore starts flying that like yeah. I am entertained by this thing. And to be honest with you, dude, like if I hadn't seen this movie previously late night on cable when I was 14, I don't think that I would have ever have seen this fucking thing again, because like, I remember being bored watching it. And I remember that there was like three scenes of gore and I was just like bored for most of it. And you know, I remember <laughs> the stupid fucking like chase scene at the end which like really nah. pissed me off. I just remembered it being really violent and uh, <laughs> enjoying that. To be fair, dude, like Steven Summers has become like this unbelievable piece of shit PG-13 director, right? But if he had stuck in this like B-movie R-rated territory, I think that he would honestly be doing better than he currently is. You know what I mean? Because like this movie yeah. has enough camp and stupidity going on in it that it would be okay if he continued doing dumb campy movies. I I might learn to accept Steven Summers, but the fact that he tried to be like a big name Hollywood director with like the mummy and shit. Yeah. It's like, eh, you know, nah, not impressed, but Asian girl comes aboard drenched with her headlights on. Right. And she strips her shirt off (laughs) and it just so happens to be below frame. Like this is an R rated movie. Like I want to see that shit like flat out. If I'm going to be seeing the R rated movie, you know, especially like 14 year old me watching this on like cable. uh, I was like, God damn it. It was lacking in partial or full nudity. Full nudity. Yeah. Yeah. Helped it out a lot. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That would have made it even more like schlocky, you know? Yeah, but they were going for the uh, American violence type movie and they didn't want to offend the Puritans among us who (laughs) are offended by sex and are okay with people being digested. (laughs) Half digested Billy wandering around. (laughs) Yeah. The boat is rocking so much that Captain Ass Muffin is rocking back and forth, but Wes Studi, who is standing right next to him, is barely moving. Like, <laughs> classic. Like, how the fuck did that slip by somebody? It's like, Wes Studi's, like, standing there, and fucking Tree Williams is, like, doing this shit. And I was like, what the hell is going on? But, dude, the score in this movie is fucking terrible. That's, like, one of the biggest problems of this movie. It's so fucking bad, the score. Yeah, yeah. It's got, it's got some moments. Side bad, note, but... I absolutely hate cruise ships, and this portrayal of the Vegas-style <laughs> casino showgirl kissing yeah. female bartenders is not helping with my hatred in the very least. I, oh, that's, I think that's part of its charm is that 
all of the super rich people are immediately like murdered and killed. And I think it's a great oh, yeah, scene no. when the monster first attacks and all the people sure. are like flying off balcony. And you can see them and, like, like the jumping old, over the railing. <laughs> yeah. And the, the old woman, like it's trampled by all those people and you could hear like skull being crushed. And then the one woman like sits on the toilet and she gets, like ripped into the toilet yeah it gets an anal prolapse in the worst kind of way <laughs> and, <laughs> right, and so uh, yeah true. no I think yeah. that's great scene yeah. that's no, it's yeah, true yeah. that's true i mean i'm just saying that the style of the ship and whatnot like it doesn't help with my hatred of cruise ships yeah well that's that's why it's great because the cruise ship gets destroyed and right right but you know <laughs> doc, dr chilton's movie plays a scumbag who cares only about money more than people like obviously i don't even need to see the rest of the movie in order to know that because it's dr chilton yeah it's like okay you know i mean maybe they're leaning into it a little bit but i'm just like okay i know who the bad guy is gonna be someone's got to be a villain man right <laughs> but <laughs> fam k jensen dude i've always had a crush on this woman she's amazing and like she's just a great huge piece of wonderful i fucking love this woman but besides the fact, shit, Cliff Curtis and Dehaman Hanu. Sorry, guys. We don't mean to focus on your terrible movies. But again, sorry, guys. We didn't mean to do this. <laughs> I like most of the characters. I think there's enough variety in the characters that you get the impression that each one has their own kind of thing going for them. I, I and they all have really their own feel, reasons though, for being right there. Yeah. I do feel, though, that Clifton Powell is like completely wasted in this movie. Like For a majority of it, he's not even like... He's just kind of like wallpaper in the, in the scene. Right. They never really focus. He's the black guy. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the one who's kind of got his head on straight, but uh, is also wanting to murder everyone at the same time. So Right, but he doesn't, he doesn't really like do a lot <laughs> in this movie. And it, it's kind of weird is that he's in this movie, but he's also not in this movie because they like focus on everybody else so much. Yeah, he's probably the most uninteresting character in the movie. Right. So you got like the diamond thief, you got the Treat Williams. He's got his own. I mean, he's basically playing Harrison Ford, kind of uh, <laughs> Han Solo type guy, right. Right? right? The boat is the Millennium Falcon, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you got the, the, the quirky sidekick who's afraid right, of the everything. Chewbacca, yeah. he won't, won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> right, the Chewbacca, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but dude the scummy engineer is digging around in the cargo hold and he sees the coffins which are carrying torpedoes he barely touches the torpedo the plate that the torpedo is resting on raises up and startles numbnuts so much that his first reaction is to raise his crowbar in order to what hit the torpedo <laughs> like, seems like a bad idea it's fucking weird man but you know late 90s movie gangs are hilarious in that they are super aggro and over the top right like the joker <laughs> like the joker in tim burton's batman like that level of aggression and pin drop beatings of the engineer is really <laughs> startling and funny at the same time this movie has the worst security ever like famke can just pick the lock and get in no problem because <laughs> there is only one security camera that just so happens to pan back and forth on a predictable interval so that she can put gum on the lens like super yeah. super fucking stupid but even worse like <laughs> stupid prop work here dude famke goes into the vault and opens a safety deposit box with only one key that she doesn't even fully insert into the lock. Like you can see that she only like twists the outside of it. And I'm like, that's not how safety deposit boxes work. <laughs> but okay. It's fine. 
She's a master, but, master locksmith. Obviously, locksmith. but yeah. long, long exposition scene on Famke's thief background in this, which is a huge fucking sin for me, man. I'm like, <laughs> just stop with the fucking like exposition, man. Doctor Chilton asks if they have a brig, and they lock Famke in a room where they store veggies and fruits and food. And I'm like, wait. That's not a brig. A brig <laughs> is a cell that has a minimum of a fucking mm. toilet in it. Like, what's she supposed to do? She can just eat all the food that she wants or piss on it or shit on it <laughs> or bleed on it and ruin everyone's yeah. food on the fucking boat. It doesn't make a lot of sense to do that to somebody. Speaking of the sushi in this scene, but the sushi reminds me of a story, Paul. And that leads me to my sandwich <laughs> beef for this week. <laughs> So, Paul, cut to 1995. Eight-year-old Gabe has a beef. My beef stems from a year-long bout of discovering seafood and how goddamn delicious some of it can be. Six months prior to my beef, I discovered calamari. I loved it. Perfectly breaded, dipped in a variety of sauces, chewy, crunchy, and salty batter. It was the best. The texture like chewing on onion rings. The taste? A total orgy in my eight-year-old mouth. <laughs> so anyway, I, dude, I, I couldn't stop going to get calamari at any place that had it. I didn't give a fuck that I lived in a landlocked state or what seafood restaurant I got it from. I loved calamari. You know the trope that every kid likes fries, chicken nuggets, and mac and cheese? I was that way with calamari for the better part of a year. My mom was happy to feed this interest in my life at the time. In her mind, calamari was healthier than McNuggets. So one day, after church on a Sunday, 8-year-old Gabe, 10-year-old brother Mike, mom Josie, and dad Eric walk into a seafood place in Albuquerque that I can't honestly remember where it was. But we sit down in a booth and I order the calamari. And I am so fucking pumped for this food, dude. <laughs> As I sit there salivating, I imagine the tasty breaded dish. A few minutes later, the waiter brings my dish and I go to fucking town, dude. I scarf this shit down pretty quick. And then I come to the last bite. It's a much bigger piece because this is the fully breaded tentacles that I am holding up all the tentacles in one breaded lump. I pick it up and I look at it, trying to figure out what it is. You see, my mom was so happy I was eating seafood, she didn't tell me what calamari was. <laughs> I had no idea what I had been eating. And I stare at it for a while and my mom asks me what is wrong. I explain to her my difficulty and my concerns and my mom finally reveals this is perfectly normal because calamari is a squid you see at this time one of my favorite movies was Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea with kirk douglas i flipped my fucking wig and started gagging and dry heaving only to be treated by a full boatload of calamari spraying out like the zombies in <laughs> 28 days later right into my brother's lap <laughs> My mom and dad freaked out, as did the entire restaurant, and my mom was quickly asked to leave, bill unpaid. My family sat in silence for the 30-minute drive back to Las Lunas from Albuquerque with the windows open to help with the smell. All of this is to say, I love calamari now, but for 10 years, I couldn't even look at it without thinking of the Jackson Pollock button-up my brother had on after I discovered the truth. And while I forgive my mom, I have to say this. Don't lie to your fucking kids, parents. Like, you're setting them up for failure, man. 
Because this is what happens. And that's not how you get ants, Pam. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled program. I think my uh, my dad told my aunt that calamari was onion rings for the longest of time <laughs> until he finally chose the perfect moment to reveal that it was actually squid. And it was a similar incident, I believe. <laughs> but, oh, man, there's really nothing as good as, like, a really nicely fried calamari with a good dipping sauce. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, dude. Okay, so side detour for a second. When, uh, when Caitlin and I went on our little mini honeymoon right after our wedding, we went up to New Hampshire, and we stayed in, like, a couple of Airbnbs in different parts of New Hampshire. But one of them that we went to was right on the border of New Hampshire, like right on the water in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And so we go into this seafood restaurant. And, you know, of course, I get the calamari, obviously, because I got to get the calamari. But I'm sitting there and I'm eating the calamari. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this. It is the best calamari I've ever had in my life. Like it was perfectly breaded, crunchy. Just the right amount of salt, just the right amount of pepper. It was a great, great calamari, perfectly cooked, great dipping sauces. And so I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying the shit. And so I start talking to the waiter as he comes back. And the waiter tells me that Portsmouth, New Hampshire has 20,000 people in it and 21,000 restaurant seats. So in order for a restaurant to remain open because there's so much competition, they have to be fucking killer at what they do or otherwise they just close because of the amount of competition in the town. Yeah. So I was like, dude, seriously, if you get a chance, go to Portsmouth, New Hampshire and just eat because like that place is fucking dope. And this seafood place, by the way, that I went was a New Zealand style seafood place. It was like New Zealand (laughs) recipes and New Zealand wines and all sorts of shit. And it was fucking fantastic, dude. I wish I could remember the name of it. I would have to look it up, actually, in order to remember it. But you got to go. Anybody out there that lives in New Hampshire, I'm jealous. Anybody that lives in Portsmouth, I'm jealous. Absolutely. Calamari is really easy to fuck up, by the way. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like Undercook it, overcook it, use too cold of an oil. it's, it's It's a real treat when it comes out right. I think one place I went to, they like... I order it and I see them like take it out of the freezer and put it in the microwave. I'm like, what uh. the fuck? <laughs> what the goddamn fuck are you doing, you sons of bitches? Close this fucking place. This is illegal. Right. Fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. Just toss a fucking Molotov through the window and burn it to the ground yeah. for the good of humanity. Yeah. All right. Since we're on the subject of calamari. I see these dudes down by the pier. Like, I think it's a particular time of the month or something like that. But they have these little lures with like uh, neon lights on them and they throw them in the water. And the squid just like hold on to it and they pull them out that way. No way. They're not actually, yeah, they're not actually like hooking the squid as far as I can tell. Or like netting them or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a little, they're like needle hooks, but they don't have like the jaggedy. Dude, it. yeah, it's pretty crazy watching these dudes like fish that's for squid awesome. at night. But yeah, the squid just goes for light and grab. I had no it. idea that that's that's one of the ways they caught squid. That's fucking yeah. awesome. I don't know if I would eat Seattle Puget <laughs> Sound squid, but oh wait, don't don't they know. raise gooey ducks in Puget Sound? Yeah, I mean, maybe somewhere else in the Sound, but 
probably not the PC, where they were going <laughs> the pcb laced water of seattle's <laughs> area of puget sound yeah. oh man that sounds awesome though i'm gonna have to check yeah. that out next yeah, time I'm in seattle dude let's uh back to this movie for a second but they have beeping <laughs> beeping computers in this movie again oh yeah and god damn it and you know and goddamn coverless jewel cases for CDs in that like secret fucking suitcase the guy pulls out. <laughs> Somehow the entire system of the cruise ship runs on three CDs and this guy is able to break the originals in half. Like CDs shatter when you try to break them. They don't break in half like that, dude. <laughs> but you know, whatever. But so when the weird cue ball looking prick starts announcing the depth of the squid that is going to attack the ship, he starts counting down from the 150 meter mark, right? He counts down every 10 meters as we cross cut to the POV of the squid. But here's the thing. If you take the scene out of context from the movie and look at it without the cross cuts, this is incredibly annoying. Like, think about it. A cue ball dickhead calls you over to his monitor that you can see just as well as he can. <laughs> he reads out how fast the thing is going as you stand next to him. Literally. 150 meters, 140, 120, 190, 70, 50, 40. A very dramatic and loud voice. Damn. But you are standing next to him and you can read as this no-talent hack does his best Robert <laughs> Stack voice. I would have slapped him in the back of the head and said, I can see the goddamn screen. It's fucking annoying, but like when it cross cuts like this, you don't notice that like stupidity as harshly. Harkens back to all the old submarine movies. Huh? We had talked about doing Sphere, which has a very similar <laughs> theme, actually. Right. Not sure if it's as bad of a movie as this, but it's pretty bad. I don't know, dude. I remember Sphere being fucking awful, but you yeah. know, I don't it certainly know. got an A list cast in that. Oh, yeah, movie. dude. Like, Sam Jackson, Dustin Hoffman. Is it Renee Russo? Is that right? Who's no, no, no. Cheryl Stone. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. She's yeah. A, yeah. I might have to watch that again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably Michael Crane's favorite book that he's written. But really? uh, the, the movie like, does not live up to the book. Right. I, I mean, I don't know what he thought about the movie, but, you know, I mean, you, you've read a lot of Michael Crichton and like, did you, did you read Sphere? I did. Yeah. No, I think that's one of his best books. The movie is a piece of shit. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> How does that happen, dude? Like if you take know. a beloved book and you just shit all over it. Like it's unbelievable how they do that. Dude, going back to this movie for a second, like, so in the control room, the screens show that the new CDs have spun the rotors down and made the, sh the ship dead stick, right? But as the squid attacks, the rotors are still spinning in the POV shot. So is the ship dead or is it not? This is <laughs> literally a minute prior and the filmmakers and the editor fucked this up. And so the visual effects people. But like you said, Paul, watching rich people scream and run is hilarious. It's fucking horrible. Also, if the squid came up from the toilet, like, why did it wait until the girl acknowledged it before it attacked? She, like, <laughs> looks back and then it grabs her. Like, everybody else in this movie, it seems like it just grabs them out of nowhere. It doesn't wait for them to acknowledge. Like, does it have a sense of fucking irony or something? I think it does, yeah. It does a, <laughs> a couple things that are pretty ironic, you know. <laughs> it's got a so, sense of humor. So... <laughs> So Captain Ass Muffin hits the speedboat that came loose from the mothership, right? And when he does, it hits the hull and a loaded fireball pyrotechnic show occurs in the engine room and explodes into the engine room. Like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, yeah, I wrote that down. That was pretty amazing. It was an explosive boat. Like, 
I am ready to go. <laughs> but they examine the damage, and one of the mercenaries says, Shut up, Grease Monkey. You're expendable. Know what I mean? And all I can think of is, is he? Like, he's the only guy that can fix the engine and get you where you need to yeah. go and he's back home He's basically the only unexpendable character <laughs> yeah. in this whole fucking story. <laughs> I, I fucking hate that line, dude. It's so stupid. Mercenaries open up the side hatch after using their suction cup hacking device and shoot grappling hooks into the roof of the room inside the hatch and somehow have auto winching devices that pull them up like they don't end up going up on their own. But the previous shot looked like plain grappling hooks to me. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? This is one of those little details that just pisses me off. You know, I'm like, come on, man. You know, if you want, if you want to use black right. box technology, like make the prop <laughs> look like it's a black box. All right, we got to talk about their guns. Yeah, that's here, my next point. That's my guns next point. Are fucking <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say sweet, Paul, like, but like yeah. multi multi barreled handheld mini guns with a thousand round capacity. Okay, so right. like even if even if they were nine millimeter, a thousand rounds of nine millimeter weighs over hundred and twenty five pounds. Like how the fuck are they carrying these things so easily? Maybe they're like twenty two caliber or something like that. But it's they're not the Paul, fire. But they're not. Later on Come we on. see the rounds being ejected and hitting the ground and they're two twenty three <laughs> rounds. There is absolutely no physical way which a weapon could be equipped with a thousand rounds of two twenty three. Just the physical size of the weapon and the weight. It's only 200 pounds of ammunition. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, dude. Why, why is it in movies that when someone finds blood, they always have to touch the blood in order to make sure that it's blood? Like, you know what blood is. You know what it looks like. You don't need to reach there and dip your fucking finger in it. You got red all over you. <laughs> you got <laughs> red on you. <laughs> God damn it, that movie else. is fucking classic. You know, you don't want to mistake like Hawaiian punch or something like that for blood. For so blood? <laughs> is that, does that lead to all the scenes where people taste the blood too? Yeah, you gotta make it fresh. Yeah, yeah. But dude, the, the <laughs> this premise reminds me of the movie Ghost Ship. Have you ever seen that? No, you know, I haven't. I haven't. I was thinking about that movie though. So I'm like, yeah, it sounds familiar. Didn't that movie come out like just a little bit after this one? I want to say yeah, but I also want to say that like Ghost Ship was closer to 2000, to be honest with you. I don't think I saw Ghost Ship because I thought it was going to be a ripoff of this. Oh, it's 2002, by the way. 2002, so yeah, okay. it's just a ripoff of this premise. And this premise is like, a mix of Poseidon adventure and <laughs> aliens or something like that. I don't know what right. to call it. It's got like a fun mixture of the different genres of the monster movie and the disaster movie sure. and the like sure. Marines coming with the big ass guns trying to kill stuff movie. You know, it's all those right. things together. Right. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the opening scene of Ghost Ship has this great scene where like one of the mooring lines comes loose and like fucking slices the student half. And it's like his body flies and you see entrails flying around. And that's like a minute into the movie. And I was like, this movie's going to be sweet. <laughs> Wait, does that movie have Ice Cube in it? Uh, ice cube i i don't honestly remember dude it's been so long i saw the movie when it came out but it, like i don't remember who's in it to be honest with you carl urban is in it 
Yeah, right. Oh, side note, if you haven't been watching The Boys, man, like goddamn. Got caught up on season 2 with the released. I I haven't gotten amazing. caught up yet. I'm like I'm like an episode behind right now, but There's like, a moment, I think in the first episode where I was like my jaw dropped about how shockingly fucked up it was. <laughs> I was like, God damn, dude. Fuck. <laughs> they really they really uh, go for the gore in that show too which yeah, is fucking yeah, fantastic yeah. <laughs> i love it man. Uh, man, the description for the first episode is like now with 50 percent more explosive decapitations <laughs> like yeah <laughs> oh dude it's so good you should watch that man. Yeah, yeah for sure it's so good great tv show great yeah. tv show but dude oh d- then ozzy dude drinks a handful of water that he's standing in like as he wanders off to figure out the noise like why he spits it out, spits <laughs> mm, it out and acts surprised that it tastes tepid, like salt water. <laughs> like, what here's the this fuck tepid salt water on the ground. I'm going to taste. Ah, mm, oh, right. that's gross. <laughs> it's such a stupid little moment. I think that that's my biggest <laughs> problem with uh, Stephen Summers is that his movies are like a collection of stupid yeah. moments that lead to this dumb oh, fucking movie that's like so bad. I think one of the worst things I've ever smelled in my life is the bilge tanks. <laughs> of a of a ship those are like the most rancid like thing i've ever smelled and it's just yeah so you would not reach down and taste water leaking on the floor of a ship that just <laughs> would not do that so <laughs> yeah i appreciate famke's character looks at the inside of the door controls and shrugs her shoulders then just attempts to short the thing with the key <laughs> for once for once something feels yeah. real in movies yeah. man i was like yeah, okay yeah, yeah that's, that's complicated that's i'm just gonna smash it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. I did. But the, the Asian girlfriend is in the hall with an acetylene torch trying to patch the hole. But, like, that's a torch. It's made to cut, not an underwater welder. But, you know, what do I know? You know it's I'm just pretty funny. Guy. That whole scene is, like, five minutes. And she's just sitting there, like, heating up a piece of ragged right. metal again and again. That, that's what I put. Is that she's else. barely touching it to the steel and not cutting anything. And I'm like, what the fuck? But Ozzy Mercenary wanders off on his own because he heard something. Like, seems like a good idea on what basically everyone is described as a ghost ship. He just wanders off to go deal with his own shit. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? The creature grabs the Aussie dude and he is sprayed into some pipes and the gun he was carrying lands in front of Captain Ass Muffin somehow. But like, then Cliff Curtis calls out Aussie guy's name as if the blood spray we just saw <laughs> had nothing to do with the only guy we know has a life a second ago. Like, where the fuck did Cliff think that that blood came from? It just, like, sprays all over the ceiling, and then he calls out the name. I'm like, if I saw that much blood hit the fucking ceiling, I'd be like, yo, I need to get out of here. Like, I don't know what the fuck's happening, but I do not want any part of what's happening right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, if I got sprayed with uh, blood and heard a terrible blood-curdling scream, I'd be be running immediately. (laughs) Get out of there. Doesn't even yeah. matter. I wouldn't even look for my compatriot. I'd be like, fuck it, he's dead. But Dehamon opens the vault and says, money, 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 only to be treated by an axe to the face, like right in the middle of the skull. Yeah. That was but pretty he- badass. Yeah, I mean, I was not expecting that, right? Yeah, I was expecting his character to stick around for a lot longer because he's pretty interesting. But <laughs> yeah. boom, he's dead like right, right then. Right, but not killed the by the monster either. That's the <laughs> best part, man. <laughs> but here's the, here's the question, Paul. Like, how how did Doctor Chilton and everyone get into the vault? Like, the captain of the boat, his key that opens the vault 
was in Famke's possession, not in his possession. Yeah. Like even when she was in the fucking like tank, she had stolen it back or the brig, she had stolen it back. Yep. But maybe, maybe Chilton has a key card, but because he's the financier, but the captain of the love boat didn't have his. So I'm still not sure who. Originally, she steals the captain's key in the ballroom. She goes to the vault and then they confront her where she steals Chilton's key as they throw her in the brig. So she Uh... has his key, but the captain still gets his key back. Okay. 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 There's a few other dudes in there, right? They like kill like a few of the ship's officers or whatever when they blast them into the wall. Yeah. 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 So maybe one of them had a key. So it's fine. (laughs) All right. So it's a good thing that the tentacle monster knows dramatic irony, like I said, and waited for Cliff Curtis to say, quote, there's nothing down here but you and me in order to grab and kill him. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. So now it can understand English and know exactly what moment to fucking strike at. Because why not? All right. So, dude. So uh, in wait, the wait. Ele- I think that there's like a good scene with the annoying guy where I think it's Cliff Curtis that says, I don't like you. And then he's like, well, you hardly even know me. <laughs> I think that's a good line. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I, I have a better one in my notes. Uh, all, right. all right. So in the elevator scene, when Jason Fleming starts yelling at Captain Ass Muffin's face, quote, you killed T-Ray and you killed him. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't you? And Ass Muffin kicks him in the balls and said, I heard you the first time. That moment works, bro. <laughs> it's funny and it's relatable. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> So good. <laughs> I like that moment a lot. Yeah. yeah. But when the elevator is yeah. falling and the brakes don't stop the elevator and it crashes into the sub basement and the doors fly off with force, <laughs> like that's not how a falling elevator works. But whatever, you know. But dude, the juicy bodies laying in the basement though, pretty dope, man. Like yeah. finally R-rated no. material 49 minutes into this movie. It, it's great. I mean, imagine the set dressers working on that and they're oh, like spraying man, yeah. gore on the walls and shit. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking awesome. And then he even has that moment where he like stomps on the skull and you hear it crush. And you're I got a problem there. with that. So <laughs> I'm not going to get to that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> There's a moment in this that I really hate with the camera work, and it's when they go Dutch to level with the camera angle when Captain Ass Muffin goes for the gun. It's like they have it in Dutch as he's leaning over, and then like as West Studio runs in and like snaps it up, they like go back to level shot in one shot, and I'm like, boom, motherfucker, boo. <laughs> I hate camera work like that. It drives yeah. me nuts. <laughs> the rubber door bulging out of the basement as the tentacle monster tries to get at them is pretty dope, though. Like, better than the yeah. rubber room in the core that, like, fucking What's-His-Nuts is, like, caught in. <laughs> and you can see, like, the pipes shaking and they're, like, yeah. rubbery like this. <laughs> that old scene's pretty great. I think uh, it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Even even though the visual effects in this movie, like, aren't great, like, that, that rubber door is pretty good. So uh, yeah. I'll give it that. But. No, I mean, I think the movie holds up pretty well <laughs> until you actually start seeing the tentacles and then you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty bad. This is ILM? Fuck, man. What the <laughs> fuck are they doing? They didn't pay them enough money, obviously. No, they did not. By the way, this movie was supposed to be released that summer or the previous summer, but the special effects looked horrific. And so they had to redo everything with ILM. And they so that looked delayed it, like, worse another. than this. Yeah, they looked worse than this. So they had to redo it completely with ILM, and this is what we got. Wow. I mean, maybe it's because ILM was, like, rushed into it last minute, and they had to make, like, some sort of deadline, you know? Yeah. that, And, I mean, yeah, 
if you think about like how well say the special effects in Jurassic Park still hold up right versus this i think they just didn't get enough money and enough time and they probably didn't plan out their shots as well for the special effect whatever i mean there there is a really fine art to like lighting special effects plates because there's only so much the visual effects artists can do yeah and so like it, it could also be that they like cheaped out on a shitty key grip or something like that or the dp didn't really know how to shoot visual effects plates at that time or whatever but it just like all of that combined made this like really fucking terrible <laughs> but yeah or they just didn't have enough computer power to render the like gross sliminess of the monsters or something maybe i'm trying to think of what was out in 98 at the same time that would have shown differently with that kind of like gore with that kind of like tentacle effect or like monster effect or something like that because i mean species was what species was 97 i think yeah like the monster in species looks like shit like it's fucking (laughs) awful i think most of that isn't that most of that practical though like I'm, I mean uh, the the fire effects when the when the species monster when Vanessa Henstridge gets like eaten or like swallowed by the fire. Oh effect, yeah 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 that's pretty bad. The fucking fire is real, but like she is fake, and they didn't shoot it in the proper way where there was like multiple layers of flame that they could like separate and put her behind flame. So they just kind of yeah. like pasted these digital flames over her, and it looks fucking terrible. <laughs> but besides the fact, so dude. Wes Studi and Captain Ass Muffin walk toward the rubber door and randomly one of the mercenaries takes a step forward. This is the skull that I was talking about. For no reason, he steps forward and steps on a human skull that crushes like an eggshell. For those of you that don't know, (laughs) a human head takes over 500 pounds of force in order to crush it. Seems unlikely he would be taking a unguided step with that much force behind it, but, you know, whatever. I think it, you can explain it because the stomach acid of the acid. creature yeah, I knew kind of, it <laughs> yeah, it wore away the integrity of the skull, so it was actually much more brittle and weak than it would normally be. All right, well, Explained away, Gabe. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> I can't. I can't on that one, but... So Dr. Chilton says the ship's core is melted, right? That they can't call for help, but a ship's long-range communication systems <laughs> would surely have a no-network sat phone or something like that, or long-range sat phone, radio. CB radio. Alert yeah. the Emergency. Coast Guard in the event. Yeah. yeah. I was radio. like, what the yeah. fuck are you talking Pretty about? Pretty absolutely positive that that's a requirement <laughs> on a ship like that, but whatever. Right. It's fine. Whatever, it's fine. yeah. <laughs> But, dude, these guys get so caught up with dick measuring that they don't notice hot-ass Famke Jensen changing right behind them. Like, Famke Jensen, they're (laughs) in that room, and, like, she fucking strips off her red dress, and we don't see her strip it off. But presumably, all of a sudden, she's in this, like, tank top and, like, a fucking pair of jeans. And I'm like, dude, all these guys are dick measuring. Like, I'd be the fucking creep over there, like, whoa, whoa, what's going on over here in the corner? Hello. (laughs) But, but dude, yeah. she she missed opportunity. Missed absolutely. Opportunity. I mean, it's the same thing with the Asian girl at the beginning. Like, it's like he was yeah. purposely missing these moments. Maybe they just didn't have enough money f- to pay for a nude scene with her. She wanted like an extra. I don't. Half I don't think that Fam K has ever done a nude scene. To be honest with you, I mean, I probably would have known about that if anybody knew about <laughs> that kind of shit. But. Regardless, but she she like starts slowly creeping toward the table and. This is what I really don't get. There's like a nickel plated Beretta sitting on the table 
And like, we never saw this gun before. In the previous shot, West Studio is reloading a black, like a matte black Beretta 92. But in the next shot that's sitting on the table is a nickel-plated Beretta 92. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I mean, maybe it's whatever the fuck is going on I think it's this. implied that the crew left it there or something. So they just it, leave so they, a loaded weapon sitting in the fucking so break room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, uh, they, they walk into the room. Nothing moves. You never see anyone put the gun on the table. So, But they also the don't notice hot-ass fam K. Jensen walking over and, like, yeah. picking it up and tucking it in her waistband. Yeah. Like, they okay, they whatever. are a little obsessed with their penis sizes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, the, the forced chemistry between Captain Ass Muffin and Jensen is yeah. really hard to watch. Like, almost yeah. as hard to watch as the terrible CG 10th level fucking shit in this movie. It's just, it's so bad. But yeah. the the melting half-digested Billy is awesome, man. Like, the, yeah, the guy that falls out of the tentacle, I loved it, yeah. man. It's like, that. That's that's a moment for the ages, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what I forget? Do they like shoot him in the head, or what happens to that? No, he uh, just fall on the ground. He gets, dead? No, no, no. He gets like grabbed by the monster again. I thought. Okay. <laughs> I don't uh. remember, but I, I think he gets grabbed by him again. Fleming and Chilton argue about Starbird versus Portside, and Doctor Chilton asks, "Quote: Who do you think gave you those blueprints?" End quote. And I'm like, "What blueprints? Like, was this before the events of the movie that I'm assuming here?" Also, blueprints don't determine port and starboard side. That's pretty goddamn universal. <laughs> but whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. But why Why is there always a straggler in these movies, Paul, that gets picked off by the creature at the end? You know, like, I don't understand. They all left at the same time, but Fleming is straggling just long enough to have a jump scare with a human arm drifting in the water. Like, I don't get it. It's fucking confusing. We need some suspense, Gabe. And yeah, obviously. You can't have suspense of being alone in a confined space with a monster if you have other people with <laughs> if you. If somebody's crack not straggling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, the, the dumbass grease monkey sees the tentacle coming towards him, but waits to get a good look prior to shutting the door. He's like fucking sitting there and it's like <laughs> running down the hallway and he's like looking at it. And I'm like, why the fuck? Okay. So this is a real life thing, dude. Like, I have been in that situation before where I thought I saw something in this abandoned building, right? That was running toward me. And it, it could have been a dog. It could have been whatever. But I was in this abandoned building in Buffalo and I was doing this movie and it coincidentally, it was a horror movie, but I was on the floor above what they were shooting and I was setting this light like outside on this fucking like rig to hang it out of a 10 story window. But I'm, I'm, I'm standing there like waiting for the key grip to come back and tell me that it's all good. And I'm like seeing this thing down the hallway and it's kind of just like it wasn't there previously. And I was like, what the hell is that? And like all of a sudden I saw it like running and it could have been a dog. It could have been a cat, whatever it was. It was dark. I couldn't tell. But as soon as it came running toward me, I'm not joking when I say that I bombed down the fucking stairs. <laughs> I wasn't about to see what the hell it was. Like I got the hell out of there as fast as I could because it was like fuck this man I'm not getting paid enough for this shit I don't understand but in this movie he's like fucking standing there looking at it as it's coming towards him like god damn it this isn't how people fucking react but whatever did anyone see it did anyone find out what it was no I came down and I was like flustered and I was like dude there I I mean I don't want to be that guy but there's something up there and fuck this I don't want to be around. This. 
And like some friends of mine went up there and they like looked around for a while and they're like, oh, it's just the, it's just the dark, like playing tricks on you. And I'm like, no, I fucking saw something, <laughs> motherfucker. Like we got to get out of here before we all get our throats slit by a fucking Captain Hook hand or whatever the fuck is happening up here. Yeah, it was funny. But why do these worms sometimes sneak up and wait for people to acknowledge them and other times just grab them? Like it, it happens continually throughout this movie. <laughs> they, they get bored. They killed like a hundred, like what, a thousand, two thousand people. Oh, it has to be. It, in the space of like 10 minutes and now they're kind of bored so they're like yeah let's fuck with them a little bit you know? sure yeah why not yeah. sneak up. oh it's quiet let's sneak up behind them <laughs> don't look behind you <laughs> dude the the grease monkey screams out like what these things can think and like they've been pretty efficient thus far at entering the ship and literally killing hundreds of people and i'm like yeah they can think motherfucker <laughs> get over it you know <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, dude, one of the things that I don't get about this movie is that hundreds of excreted bodies are laying in that one floor, right? And, yeah. like, nobody pukes. Like, I don't <laughs> care how tough you may be. Like, that shit would turn somebody's stomach. Not to mention that it's got to smell yeah. like fucking stomach acid or oh, man. something. Yeah, like, it's got to be horrible. The smell of that has got to be horrific. And like Imagine if they had smell-o-vision for this movie or something like oh, that. Just like they just the keep reach. pumping the smell of a bilge pump into the fucking theater. <laughs> you know, seriously, what is the Grease Monkey's purpose in this movie? Is it to be annoying? Because he fucks up the grenade throwing. This guy has to have seen a movie at some point, right? Like, he'd know that there's an arming mechanism on a fucking grenade. <laughs> but no, he just throws it and fucks that up on top of him constantly yelling, What do we feed it? What do we feed it? And then, like, fucking West. Studi shoots him in the leg, which is pretty dope. But besides, yeah, that's heck. awesome. That's pretty awesome. You get it. You get it coming up. Wes Studi has a little moment where he's right. you know, he's like, "Oh fuck this guy!" Finally, this, just kill him. This moment, this moment leads me to the hack attack, Paul. Because I hate reveals on monsters, right? I hate reveals in movies on monsters. But Wes Studi grabs the grease monkey for a jump scare, then twitches, right? But it's not until the camera booms up and we see that he's in the mouth of the monster that we hear the loud ash chewing and sounds that it makes. <laughs> and I'm like, if you were really this close to be grabbed by Wes, you'd hear the monster. You know what I mean? And this yep. is a fucking hack attack bullshit because it's like, oh, we don't want to reveal. I'm like, Wes is like fucking twitching. Like he has cerebral palsy and like he doesn't just do that for his own benefit. You know what I mean? And like you fucking, that thing's got to be making some noises, cracking through bones and shit. <laughs> Side note, if you've ever heard somebody's arm or leg snap in like an accident, it makes a loud pop noise <laughs> because it's fucking like the bones are very, very like fucking tough, you know? And yeah. when it finally gives after that pressure and it snaps, it sounds like a fucking like mini little grenade going off in somebody's leg or whatever. It's a pretty <laughs> Fucking loud noise but you know whatever so grease monkey takes pity on wes and hands him a gun to kill himself and after a very cringeworthy line wes shoots a grease monkey as a final fuck you and misses right but the worst part is that he puts the gun to his head and pulls the trigger and click empty motherfucker oh. but again in case you don't know Semi-automatic gas recoil-powered weapons function on diverting some of the explosive energy into the slide to push the slide back, eject the empty casing with the case-extracting pin, and using inertia, chamber a new round. 
So if he's out in the scene, the slide would be jammed back in the in an open breech position, and he would have known the gun was empty prior to him putting it to his head and pulling the trigger, right? But that wouldn't have detracted from his dramatic beat and would have been less <laughs> offensive to common sense. Like, think about it. He Like, if he shot and it the breech popped open, he would still have that moment like, fuck. You know, like, he could look at it and, like, you know, try to put it in his face or something like that or panic or whatever but like yeah. it wouldn't detract from the moment and it wouldn't be offensive to people like you and me <laughs> uh, maybe it was just a misfire and there was actually a round in the chamber think about it right like that. right sure you know i mean okay so they they never bring it up in the movie but like you know guns don't work very well when they're underwater because like the pin gets wet and it causes the firing pin like spring in order to actually like malfunction and it can cause misfires right but they never yeah. bring it up in this movie and like what the only movie that i can remember that brings it up to be honest with you is no country for old men <laughs> it's the only <laughs> fucking movie that does it and i'm like god yeah. damn it hollywood like there's fucking people that are paid on a movie set paul that their entire job is to arm the fucking production with weapons right to have weapons that are authentic and can <laughs> work and shit like that and yeah. how the fuck does this keep happening? Like, these people are gun nuts. They know how guns function. But they let this shit fly all the fucking time. Like, stop doing this, Hollywood. Yeah, no, it's never going to stop, Gabe. <laughs> Can't make it happen. Yeah. So, Famke looks for the keys, right, to the jet ski. But jet ski ignition locks are hardly laser-cut keys. Like, you can literally stick a screwdriver in that shit and rip the <laughs> lock out and start the fucking thing. Yeah, that is kind of funny that she can, you know, lockpick a $12 million safe deposit box or whatever, but she can't figure out the ignition for a uh, jet ski. But, dude, why why does a torpedo need a flashing and beeping LED screen to tell the user that it's on? That's what I want to know. I, I mean, how else are you gonna know, right? It's in a presumably it's in a fucking <laughs> torpedo tube at this point. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to know that it's armed. In the movie sense, I guess you'll never know that it's armed unless it has a flashing screen on it. But whatever. How does Famke dive out of the way of a speeding flare with her back to it? Like when when Chilton is chasing her down the fucking hallway, it misses her by inches. And I'm like, how did she know? <laughs> That it was flying towards her, you know what I mean? I like how the flares explode after the <laughs> <laughs> Also, who makes a double-barreled flare gun? Um, I'm asking for a friend that needs one. I'm just curious. <laughs> if it hasn't been made, maybe it should be made. You know right, double-barreled flare gun. That's pretty dope, actually. I think someone has made an actual... It's like a rotating magazine flare gun slash not a grenade launcher like a tear gas right, launcher but sort of like but, that yeah like a grenade yeah, yeah. slash tear gas launcher yeah 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 so oh. you could probably get one of those so you can hold like 10 to 20 <laughs> rounds in there pretty cool. <laughs> if you're shooting like 30 millimeter <laughs> flares at somebody <laughs> yeah i'd pay to see that case. yeah throw that in a, somebody put that in a movie and i'll watch it <laughs> 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 but dude why why do people back up in life or death situations right are, and why are they always surprised by bumping into something frightening it happens in way too many movies and it's fucking irritating and i wish that they'd stop doing it she's on the lookout for dr chilton and she's like backing up 
like all slow for like 10 <laughs> feet and then she gets like freaked out that dr chilton's behind her and like on top of that if he has her coming towards him why doesn't he just put the fucking gun to the back of her head as she's backing up you know like why don't they do doesn't, that doesn't he have like a speech or something that he needs to do he first? has to have a speech yeah that's <laughs> it that's exactly it wait how does he die again i forget he dies in the explosion yeah. when they oh, send okay. the torpedo into the all right so we'll, uh-huh. we'll get to that in a second but uh-huh. <laughs> a thousand rounds paul and a six barrel gun right but captain ass muffin can't hit dr chilton as he flails out of the room like a flailing <laughs> armed inflatable tube man i'm like what the fuck is going on <laughs> but how does the creature how does the creature drop get the drop on captain ass muffin right like they're backing away with about they see the creature pop up and they're backing away with about 50 feet between them and the creature. But then a low camera angle comes in on his leg and like Monty Python's its way onto his <laughs> fucking leg to grab him. Like, you, wouldn't you have seen a giant tentacle like reaching out in order to grab you? Like, you could see the whole fucking creature at this point. And why didn't they run instead of waiting for the creature to reveal itself? Because they, they wanted to take a look at it. But, you know, I mean, oh, that's, man, that's dude, cool. this is the worst CG on the fucking creature. Like, the CG <laughs> creature comes out and his eye and his shading like all over him, it's just way the fuck off. Like, everything's yeah, wrong yeah. about it. It's really and low I, res feeling well, for some reason. Yeah, for a second, I thought it was just because I had a bad transfer or something like that. And I was like, you know, maybe this is like a problem with like 35 being transferred to 1080p. But then I thought about it and I was like, no, 35 has a greater resolution than 1080p. So like, if anything, this looked worse in the fucking movie theater when you're sitting there watching it. He fucking shoots it in the eye and we get some nice juice flying and that's great and everything. But again, it looks like low budget CGI here. Captain Ass Muffin realizes that Grease Monkey is dead, right? As he runs under the boat and whatnot, or he thinks he's dead. It's a really weird scene transition. Suddenly he's on the boat and you'd expect that it was quite a journey to get there. But right. they just suddenly it's jump cut and he's on the boat. With yeah. No problems. After, yeah. Yeah. You know. Presumably the monster had chased him for, you know hundreds of feet or something like this not to mention that the monster moves with like frightening speed throughout the <laughs> boat you know but whatever at this point is the only time that he feels sad like he hasn't given a fuck about anyone up to this point but now he cares all of a sudden i was like what is going on here like is uh grease monkey using his prick as a whistle or what's going on <laughs> well luckily he gets miracled back in the end and right, everyone's right. happy right <laughs> Not that I was happy. I was like, God damn it. Just leave him dead. Yeah. Actually, even the characters, the other two characters are like, God damn it. Fucking cramp in our style. You piece right. of shit. Get I'll get to that in a second because that was a big fucking piss off moment for me. But it's a good thing that when Ass Muffin decides to use the CDU to get some speed that he whips around just fast enough for Famke to drop the gun they need to stave off the squid. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. come on, man. Like, yeah, yeah. she's shown herself to be like this badass chick throughout this thing. And like, only now does she become like this frail little woman that can't like hold on to a fucking gun as it's like whipping <laughs> through the water. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. It's pretty sweet. When he's going towards the like elevator loading right. dock doors and he shotguns the two <laughs> buttons to open the doors. That's Dude, pretty his sweet. His aim is solid, man. It like not impactful. bad for on the run, but also with buckshot. Like he's a fucking marksman, man. 
<laughs> Dr. Chilton covering his face when he's going to Clyde in the slowest way possible is pretty awful. Like they go in for like the boom slash push in shot and Dr. Chilton's like, ah! <laughs> like, that. And I'm like God damn it. Like, please don't do that. It's pretty fucking bad. But this is seriously, it's like the slowest fucking like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, I feel like he had time as slow as that boat was coming at him to run all the way to the other side of the boat and jump off, you know, like it could have been anything else, but whatever, you know, doesn't matter. But it's not as awful, Paul. It's not as awful as the fireball sequence that we were greeted with and the squid exploding CGI. Uh, yeah, I brought that down. That was the worst CGI I've seen. Maybe outside <laughs> of like Hercules, the legendary journeys or something right. like that. Right, right, right. <laughs> Or like a fucking, or a, uh, or an asylum movie. Like an asylum movie always has super bad visual effects. But dude, how, how romantic is it that they are stuck on this abandoned island so they can fuck their brains out? Like that's, I mean, all right, I'm not going to lie, dude. If I was in this situation and I ended up with hot ass fam K Jensen on a beach and like, it's like, oh yeah, this is great, man. It's only me and her. (laughs) And then, you know, fam K though, she has to run up first announcing that she found a souvenir in the surf like a little memento for their adventure with mass killings by a sea creature (laughs) the fuck kind of thing is she talking about then grease monkey shows up and he's not dead like way to cock block everyone asshole it's like (laughs) if i was i'm sorry man if it was me and i had the chance of like being with fam k jensen and like this dude ran up out of the surf i would just run towards him and drown him in the surf like I'd be like, no, you're not gonna fuck with my chances, pal. Uh, this is what's gonna happen. You're fucking dead. Well, we <laughs> maybe that makes me an awful person. I don't know, but you know, it's the closing shot. Is oh shit, good. dude! The island has another awful monster in it in that <laughs> final shot, and then they boom up, and it's got like that fucking wicked volcano on it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Mordor level volcano in the background. <laughs> uh. But yeah. roll credits is Captain Ass Muffin says, now what? <laughs> to be honest with you, dude, I don't know if they were planning a sequel to this fucking movie or what the <laughs> fuck was going on here. But I think it was just an amusing, ironic ending. You know? Right. They were just leaning into it. That's, that's yeah. what I figured when I was watching yeah. it. I was like, eh, it's got to be. I mean, they probably would have made a sequel if it had actually made money. Made money. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, they made they made a sequel to Hollow Man, dude, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, side note, side note here. Rob Botton designed these creatures, and he is the same guy that designed John Carpenter's The Thing. But given that all of this is CGI, like it fucking sucks, man. Like his design is okay, but I'm like, dude, all the CGI, like Rob Botton functions on the fucking latex, man. Yeah, no, that's too bad. I mean the the creatures if they had executed it right, I mean, they would have been pretty awesome. I mean, there's like so many different ways to uh, to kill you with those creatures. You know, they've got spikes on the side. They've got right. mouth grippers and <laughs> like in inner spines and like deadly acid and all this shit. So remember, remember the movie uh, The Mist, right? Like when when the tentacle like comes through the garage door and like grabs that one guy's leg, and then it's revealed that like the little suction hook things he like rips off that big chunk of that guy's thigh i'm like yeah dude like that's That's how you do a fucking like tentacle monster man i'm into that even the shading on that movie is like not right like there's a lot of tentacle problems Mm. in that movie has there been a good tentacle monster in a movie 
I don't know, dude. I mean, all all I all I associate tentacle monsters with is like bad porn and <laughs> <laughs> maybe this movie. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh... I'm like, no, this, seriously though, it's, it's like I uh, this the mist. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, where there was the giant rubber one that they were doing with the mini miniatures, you know? The Kirk Douglas one, I'm saying. And then um, those are the only three that are coming to my mind, to be honest with you. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Shit. Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the fucking giant squid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing's badass. dope, though, man. Like, yeah. and then Boromir runs in and slices off the tentacles and shit. I dug that. <laughs> I think there's some tentacle action in uh, Peter Jackson's uh, King Kong too. There's the weird worm monsters that eat Andy's right. circus. I don't know if those are technically tentacle monsters. It's definitely got that same feeling as watching yeah. a tentacle monster. Spear has a tentacle monster, but you never actually see it. What is the name of the imaginary guy in that? Is it Jerry? Is that right? Or like the, uh, the fucking figment so. of everybody's imagination? Jerry. And then they realized that they mistranslated it and his name is Harry. Right. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I don't know how much overlap that that has on this movie now that I'm thinking about it, but I would say that's a strong contender for me for bad <laughs> movies because Sphere, like, oh, God, that movie's fucking terrible. There's the crack in, in uh, one of the pirates, pirates but it doesn't do i mean anything they, they spent money reason. on that though you know i mean it came yeah. up and it ate the ship when uh naomi harris's character like grows up to be the size of a fucking colossus or whatever which what the fuck <laughs> is going on in that scene jesus christ man. <laughs> what the hell you know i would suggest oh. that we do that pirates movie at world's end but like it's fucking two hours and 45 <laughs> minutes man. i just i can't sit through That's it a lot it's yeah. a lot to do <laughs> It's a lot oh, of fucking man. Jerry Bruckheimer doing oh, his Jerry dude, Bruckheimer thing. Speaking of Kraken, Seattle has their new hockey team name, and it's called the Kraken, and that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Are they are they sponsored at all by the rum company by the same name? Uh, I don't know who they're sponsored by at this point. It's yeah. a good tie-in right there, bro. I mean, they have a pretty sweet like intro video to reveal the name of the the team. That's uh, pretty pretty amusing wait were they were they named something previously no no it's like they they've been working on creating a new team for i don't know how long long ass time okay they finally came with the name the kraken (laughs) (laughs) side note actually my uh my adopted sister keiko she's married to a guy from seattle named don and don was saying that you were absolutely correct he's from seattle but he was saying you're absolutely correct when it comes to your culinary breakdown of Seattle that you don't have like a regional sandwich. There's kind of the pizza thing. And he, he agreed with all that. And he was just like, <laughs> she texted yeah. me and she was just like, yeah. yeah, Don, Don agrees with Paul that like Seattle needs to get their shit together and have a regional sandwich. Cause what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. One day, one day. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to go out and invent it or something. I don't know. Right, invent a Seattle sandwich. What's uh, oh, what's dude. what's regional in Seattle that you could put in a sandwich? Oh, we got salmon. <laughs> we got salmon. Don't you have do... like a shitload of mushrooms up there too? Yeah, mushrooms, mushrooms, calamari mushroom sandwich. Fuck, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> have to be the work. right kind of mushroom. Yeah, right. I'm gonna have to work on it now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everyone, that was 1998's Deep Rising, which I fucking hate this movie, man. Like, I I will never, ever, ever see this again. (laughs) 
I don't know. I mean, there's like the whole thing about it being like a B movie and like that's okay and everything. But like, okay, so this this may be blasphemy and I'm probably going to take a lot of shit for this. <laughs> but Army of Darkness, I don't like that movie. Oh, bummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is B movie gold right there, man. All right, all right, all right. So, so just stop for a second because, like, I appreciate it in the B movie way, and I appreciate it with the other two. But like, the fact that Evil Dead Two exists means that (laughs) Evil Dead Three never needed to happen. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Evil Dead Two is probably the best B movie like fucking horror comedy ever made. Like, flat out, full stop. That's just the way it is. And like to have Evil Dead Three, it just kind of like greatly pales in comparison. Yeah, yeah. And there's some great moments in Evil Dead Three that I really like, yeah. but you know, it's not. I I honestly don't it, believe that it's it is the, the Spider-Man movie. Three of the series for sure. Yeah, like yeah, Sam Raimi sure. cannot close a series with fuck. I'm right. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I still I like it. There's too many good things not to like it, and it sticks to the tone of a B movie. Just, just fine. So right. yeah. Bruce Campbell's a fucking God. So yeah, there's that. No. I mean, the scene, <laughs> the scene where he's trying to remember the words, the, the clat to rot to Nikto when he's in the graveyard right. to say right. the words for the Pernomicon and he forgets. <laughs> That's like one of the best scenes he's done in any right. of those movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as good as like the hand <laughs> scene where his hand is possessed in Evil Dead 2. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah. No, uh, yeah. But, you know, no, no, nothing's going to top that because like yeah. fucking Bruce Campbell's physical comedy in that is just like, it's so fucking good, dude. Yeah. I, yeah. I cannot stop laughing in that scene in Evil Dead 2. I've seen that movie like, I don't know how many fucking times. The show is great, too. Yeah, the show um, is great. The show yeah. is great. I'm sad that they canceled it, man. The fucking shame. But, you know, I mean, I guess Stars only wanted four four seasons. Is that right? Was it four seasons? I don't know. I don't know. I've only seen like the second season. Oh, dude, it's so good, man. It's so good. It kind of ended in like an ignominious way because they weren't sure they were going to get canceled. So they weren't able to like lean into the fact that they were going to get canceled and like make fun of it as they were going toward the end of the show. Yeah. Kind of disappointing. It's like a missed opportunity for sure. Well, let's uh, sign a petition and <laughs> have Amazon pick it up for the last season. Shit, I don't know. Even if they did like a movie to say goodbye to Evil Dead, you know, actually, you know what? I'm I'm lying. I'm lying. I just saw something online. Bruce Campbell had come out and said something about that they were going to move forward with something. What the hell was it? I want to say either a closing movie or something like that, but I, I'm going to have to follow up on this on a further episode because I'm going to have to dig for it. But anyway, so Paul, like moving forward, man, like, like we said, we want to try to like schedule these four movies, but I, I want to say like, I don't remember enough of sphere in order to know if it's too similar to us shitting on this. Movie. I think it would have been more appropriate if we had done like a double feature or something like that. <laughs> it's uh I mean, it's more like The Abyss, honestly. Right, right, but right. The the book was written before The Abyss, by the way. So right. it had that on there. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's very <laughs> Abyss-like, but then it's got some giant squid attacks. And right. Like that, too. What about going to uh, a video game movie like uh, Resident Evil? <laughs> yeah. Now we haven't done a video game movie. That's Dude, true. Has there been a good video game movie ever? Not off the top of my head. There's some that are less egregious than others, but 
I don't uh, think so. I was super excited because like in 2004, Stuart Beatty was like the guy who wrote Collateral, Stuart Beatty. Yeah. Was hired to write the script for Halo, right? Like a Halo movie. Yeah. And like the studio was going to push forward. It was Universal at the time. And Universal scrapped the project because like they couldn't get Microsoft to agree to it, right? So Alex Garland, the guy that wrote 28 Days Later and Ex Machina, decided that he was going to write a spec script for Halo. That spec yeah. script, if you don't know, means that he just writes it on his own accord. It, he's not being paid to do it. He just wants to write it. So he wrote yeah. a spec script for Halo, and the script, Universal was interested in it because Stuart fell through after like the Microsoft negotiation. And so fucking Alex Garland sold the script to Universal for $7 million, which is <laughs> the highest Jesus amount Christ. paid for a fucking script. Oh this God. is 2004. Like This was yeah. even more back then, you know? Wow. So, like, he got $7 million for his fucking script, and, like, Universal was pushing forward for it, and this is this is actually a really interesting thing about film history, was that Peter Jackson was a fan of the fucking video game, so he had been talking to Neil Blomkamp about doing a Halo movie. And so, like, Peter had got Neil in order to sign on to this fucking project with Universal that it was going to be this $100 million R-rated Halo movie written by fucking <laughs> Alex Garland, and then yeah. Microsoft stepped in and said, oh, well, you know, we still want to make more games. You guys can't make a movie until we're done with the games. And they fucking scrapped the project and shut <laughs> it down. And wow. the fucking script is literally sitting in some vault somewhere in Universal. Yeah. That left Peter Jackson and Neil Blomkamp without a project. And so Peter had $30 million secured from another distributor. And so he said, okay, Neil, what do you have that you can do for $30 million? And that's where District 9 came nice, in. Nice, nice, nice. And District 9 has a lot in it that is proof positive that he can do a fucking Halo movie. Yeah. Like between the design and the ultraviolence and the <laughs> guns and the fucking yeah. cars and the way that the fucking aliens interact with the human beings. Like yeah. he is the man for a fucking Halo movie if they ever get around to it. This is all to say that if you are a clever enough human being, you can find the Halo script online and I have it and I fucking read it. And it's great. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> fucking make this goddamn movie already. <laughs> like, I would pay whatever premium fucking cost it costs in order to see this movie. Yeah. If you got Neil Blomkamp in order to do it. Side note, if you have not seen it, Paul, on Amazon, there is uh, Oats Studios Volume 1, like Quaker Oats. Yeah. Oats Studios Volume 1 is like this 90-minute collection of shorts directed by Neil Blomkamp. And it's just like these ultra-violent, ultra fucking sophisticated fucked up like design things that yeah. he did and it's absolutely classic <laughs> you gotta check it out <laughs> but anyway so sphere we're gonna push off for a little while i say that we do resident evil maybe it's worth circling back and talking about hudson hawk i don't know if you can sit through that again ah uh, man it's been a long time yeah that's a bad one <laughs> we could hudson go down hawk or the, the color purple is that the one no. Color Purple is the Steven Spielberg movie about no, slavery. Right. <laughs> There's another one with Bruce Willis that came around that time too, and it's like this weird erotic thriller thing, and you see Bruce oh. Willis's dick and right, 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 right. Oh, oh, god. oh god, oh god, I know this fucking, I know this it's, movie. It's got purple in the title, I swear. Yeah. Oh god, I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, write we, that down though. Yeah, we've been talking about how we want to do an erotic thriller. 
but right. that would probably be a, a good choice. Possibly. Right. There's also anything that, you know, Michael, Michael Douglas, <laughs> like uh disclosure or whatever, like disclosure yeah. is pretty fucking bad. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, other bad ones during that time period. Yeah. Oh dude. Okay. So I, I don't want any shit about it, but I want to do arachnophobia. Well, I mean, you're going to get shit. I'm going to push back, but yeah, I'd <laughs> love to do that movie. It's a great movie. You know? All right. So we'll do, we'll do arachnophobia. I'll, I'll land on that one. Uh, I, I want to say that we could do Resident Evil too because we can do that, go down the video game route for a while. Yeah. There's a bunch of bad movies in there, so there's two there. We got a list, Gabe. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's you know true. what I want to watch? Zardoz with Sean yeah! Why? Why in the name <laughs> of fuck? <laughs> You've seen that, right? I have not. No. Oh, dude. It, oh, man, it it's looks... a classic, man. <laughs> Is it a bad classic or uh, no? A good it's a, it's a fucking horrible classic. It's one of those yeah. moments that I realized. Okay, I saw that movie out of context for a second. Like I saw that movie sort of randomly when I was watching like the Bond films. Right, I had just seen a bunch of Bond movies with Sean Connery, and then I had seen um, the Usual Suspects. Right, so yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, totally. You know, I, I want to check this out, and then. Uh, and then I saw Zardoz randomly. I don't remember if I saw it on IFC or what it was on, but I saw Zardoz and I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> please, no. Oh, God. <laughs> and this was when I was like fucking maybe 14, 15 that I saw Zardoz. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, please, no. <laughs> and it made me change my opinion pretty significantly on Sean Connery. And then I saw... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I was just like, oh, yeah. Sean. <laughs> you know that he turned down The Matrix in order to do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Bummer, man. Yeah, he turned down, <laughs> he turned down The Matrix, and he turned down uh, Lord of the Rings. He was one of Peter Jackson's original choices for Gandalf. Wow. And he turned that down wow. because he said that the script was stupid and he didn't understand it. And I'm like, Sean, fuck you, Sean. <laughs> God, dude. okay. So like going out and retiring on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen versus going <laughs> out and retiring on Lord of the Rings. Tell me what you think, you know? <laughs> yeah. The Bruce Willis movie is The Color of Night. That's that's mine. it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that, Color of yeah. Night. Fuck me, dude. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, do you remember um, Nine and a Half Weeks? There's always that one with Mickey Rourke. That's a good erotic thriller. Call. Hmm. Oh, dude, that's that's a that's that's something. So we got a nice uh, list of erotic thrillers that we could possibly do. We'll do Resident Evil. Let's do uh, Resident Evil. Let's do uh, Arachnophobia. Let's do Zardoz. And uh, I'll leave it up to you to say whether we do The Color of Night or pick the fourth one since you pick Zardoz and I pick the other two. I mean, Disclosure is pretty bad. Takes place in Seattle, though, so, you know. It's true. I mean, I hate to fucking shit on the Wachowskis again, but I saw Jupiter ascending on the list. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, we'll have to get around to that one. It's... What about, uh, what about like, uh, Waterworld or Cocoon or... Oh, man. Waterworld's great. Love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at some point, at some point, I would like to talk about the Postman because the Postman <laughs> is just—it's yeah. something else, man. It yeah. is something else. So, what do you, what do you think for the fourth movie here? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to uh, play it by ear. I think we can decide later. Right. We don't have to All plan right, so that let's, uh, far ahead. Let's uh, let's uh, let's 
decide we're gonna do uh, Resident Evil and the the other three movies. We'll do Resident Evil, Arachnophobia, and Zardoz. I'll track those down. I'll send them yeah. to you. but you can uh you can prep those in between if you have time obviously like during this time period but once again don't feel like you know you have to worry about it because like we do still have we're still going to come out of this with four weeks of back episodes but i do want to catch up more so that way i have ideally i'd like to have 10 episodes in the can so that way i have like a big pile that like i don't have to worry if something like this happens again you know yeah yeah so because 10 weeks, I mean, if one of us is taking off 10 weeks from the podcast, like something's fucked, you know, like somebody yeah, has cancer yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, until next time, guys, thank you once again for joining us. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schindel. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. Later, people.